Let's stand together once again as Cantrell comes this morning to read to us from Amos chapter 3. Hear this word, people of Israel. The word of the Lord has spoken against you, against the whole family I brought up out of Egypt. You only have I chosen of all the families of the earth. Therefore, I will punish you for all your sins. Do two walk together unless they have agreed to do so? Does a lion roar in the thicket when it has no prey? Does it growl in its den when it has caught nothing? Does a bird swoop down to a trap on the ground when no bait is there? Does a trap spring up from the ground if it has caught nothing? When a trumpet sounds in a city, do not the people tremble? When disaster comes to a city, has not the Lord caused it? Surely the sovereign Lord does nothing without revealing his plan to his servants, the prophets. The lion has roared. Who will not fear? The sovereign Lord has spoken, who can but prophesy. This is the word of the Lord from Amos chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Special delivery. Thank you very much. A few years ago, I was in India with a, a few guys from our church, and we were, as a part of our trip, doing some training for pastors who were there, and the pastors in advance gave us some topics that they wanted us to talk about, and one of the things they asked was, could you just spend an entire day taking us through one of the minor prophets? The minor prophets are, are hard books to understand and to teach, so could you just take a day Take us through one of the minor prophets help us know how to read it and help us know how to teach it And so that's what we did We actually went through the book of hosea for an entire day And I was amazed that I would be teaching with these pastors for two sometimes going on three hours And I would ask them do you need a break and I'm there still leaned in and listening and taking notes And they said no, 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 no break and about the three hour mark. I would say guys. I need a break Okay for a minute. We'll come back and we'll keep going and it's not always that way in our church here I'm just just being honest. It's not always like that, but that's okay different culture different space But it was amazing to see the 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 hunger and thirst For the word of god that that our indian brothers and sisters had and and then their desire to take us to a hard book of the bible and help us know how to teach it the minor prophets are are hard books hosea is a hard book amos as we're seeing is a hard book but today to help us get from from this hard place to to where i want us to land which is really to talk about jesus we're going to have to do some hard work of amos first but i believe that our taking of the lord's supper really helps us today as we're going to look for how how do we go from from amos and, and this hard book in the old testament to understanding what we should see and understand as christians who follow jesus and the one word that's going to come up a lot today is a word we've used a lot throughout amos already it's a word that i shared with you just a moment ago as i held up the cup it's the word covenant and so much of what we see now in 
the heart of the book of Amos is God speaking very clearly and plainly to his covenant people. God's first covenants, and, and every time we hear of that word, that word covenant, we probably think of marriage. When I think of covenant, I think of the most sacred promise that can be made. God's first covenants with the Hebrew people were symbolized by things like circumcision, the giving of the law, the offering of sacrifices, and God's presence in the temple in Jerusalem. Those were some of the key symbols of the first covenants that God made with Israel. God's final covenant, the one that also includes us, is the covenant through his blood by which all people can be saved through repentance, through Jesus Christ. We, we are people who live by a, a new covenant, a new sacred promise that Jesus Christ himself has purchased for us and made possible. But the new covenant by which we live is built on the promises, the sacred covenants of old that Jesus now fulfills because God made them to his people and God's people made them to him and yet time and time again, God's people broke their side of the promise. And so today, as we think about this word covenant, I want us to continually think ahead of the covenant that, that Jesus Christ has made with us. You'll remember, I hope, that the prophet Amos was speaking specifically to the northern kingdom of Israel for the majority of his prophecy. And he was speaking to people in times of great prosperity— when they were experiencing comfort and security and material blessings, political power, military might, the people of Israel at the moment that Amos was speaking to them felt probably like they were on top of the world. Yet they did not use their blessings to honor the Lord. And they did not use their blessings to care for their neighbor. Instead, the people of God chose to worship and serve idols, and they abandoned justice and mercy, especially for the poor and the oppressed. And Amos is speaking into this context, and here in chapter 3, the message is to cut right to the heart of God's covenant people. In the beginning, as God begins this, this language of covenant, he reminds them in verses 1 through 3, that he speaks to them God's covenant people are blessed because they are the recipients of God's voice God's word God speaks to his covenant people in a special unique way that not everyone else gets to hear God says I speak to my people and how often do we see this especially in the Hebrew scriptures in the Old Testament that God begins talking to his people with the word hear. Listen. Hear. Open up your ears. Pay attention. What's coming next is something that you absolutely need to know. Hear this word, people of Israel. The word the Lord has spoken against you, against this whole family that I brought up out of Egypt. God is always speaking to his people, but are his people always listening? 
In the days of Amos, certainly they were not. In the days in which we live as God's covenant people in the church, are, are we always listening because God is always speaking to us in some way? God is reminding them, you, verse 2, alone have I chosen of all the families on the earth, you only have I chosen. The, the literal language here of the Hebrew, we use the word chosen here in, in the NIV, but the literal word is, you alone have I known. We might translate it this way, only with you have I been intimate. It's strong language, it's the language of covenant, it's the language of marriage, it's the language of family. It is the language of intimacy. God says to his people, I have opened myself to you like no one else. I've shown you my heart. I've shown you my ways. I've given you this special relationship and you alone have that blessing. And yet you have taken that blessing for granted. You have not returned love and affection you have not returned my faithfulness with faithfulness, but instead you have turned your back on me and betrayed me. It's so important that we hear this language of covenant so that we feel the force of the depth of betrayal. You may remember back in chapter 1, the beginning of chapter 2, God was using Amos to speak to the nations, the Gentile nations. And he says to them, you too are guilty. You've oppressed the poor. You've done wrong to humanity. You've, you've rejected me. But to the nations, it's more of a matter of conscience. The nations are without excuse because God says through Amos, much like in Romans chapter 1, I've made myself plain to you through creation. You should know better than to do what you're doing. The nations are guilty of sinning against conscience and humanity. But the people of God, it's even worse because they've been given the law. They've been given the prophets. It's as if God is saying through Amos, yes, the Gentile nation should know better, but if anyone should know better, it's my covenant people. I've given you more revelation. I've shown you more of myself. You are even more without excuse because I've revealed my word to you like no one else has it. As God's covenant people today Who are we? We are the church We're not necessarily the fulfillment of all of the promises to Israel But through the new covenant of the blood of Jesus We are his covenant people today And to we the church his covenant people today Because of Christ's blood Think about how much more we've been given Than the people of Israel God's saying through Amos to them, you have so much, and yet you've rejected me. Do we not have much more as the church? We have the Holy Spirit of God living in us. We have the New Testament. They didn't have the blessings of knowing that this is going to reach the fulfillment in Jesus Christ, of having the letters to the church and all of the, the incredible things that God has given us through the further revelation of his word. We, most importantly, belong to Jesus Christ. We've experienced his mercy and forgiveness in ways that the Hebrew people didn't fully understand. And so if they were without excuse, especially, how much more as God's new covenant people are we without excuse 
when we reject him, when we ignore him, when we blatantly, though we have his word, disregard it and choose to go our own way, as, as we all so often do. God says, again, feeling that the, the deep force of that language of betrayal, therefore I will punish you for all your sins. And, and make no mistake here, this isn't God saying, I'm going to punish you out of my hurt. This is God's justice. This is God saying, I, I've given you plenty of warning that the consequences are there. You've chosen not to listen. You've chosen to reject truth for falsehood. You've chosen darkness over light. You have chosen death over life. And so, as I've been warning you, and, and I'm still warning you now, it's just to punish you for your sins. Verse 3, as God speaks to his covenant people, do two walk together unless they've agreed to do so? If there's any verse in this chapter that, that, that sounds like the covenant of marriage, it's this one. By the way, the, the Bradleys, Don and Cantrell, and Anthony and Stephanie Eccles are going to be leading a marriage class called The Journey here in a few weeks. And, and this verse is the central verse. It's the theme verse of that class. Two walking together because they've agreed to do so. It's a sacred promise that we live in in our covenant marriage relationship. And it's the language that God uses for his people I've extended my love to you in a covenant relationship like a husband to a wife. And you, my people, entered into this covenant relationship with me. You committed that the two of us would walk together, but you have gone your own way. The language of marriage, the language of family, what greater betrayal could there be? I mentioned when we started this study that Amos was a prophet in the days of Isaiah, who we know a little bit better, and also in the days of Hosea, who I mentioned just a moment ago. Hosea was actually prophesying not only around the same time, but in some of the same regions as Amos. So listen to God's consistency for a moment through the prophet Hosea, how these words sound similar. Hosea 13, verse 4 but I have been the Lord your God ever since you came out of Egypt. You shall acknowledge no God but me, no Savior except me. I cared for you in the wilderness, in the land of burning heat. And when I fed them, they were satisfied. And when they were satisfied, they became proud. And then they forgot me. So what will I be like? I will be like a lion to them, like a leopard I will lurk by the path. And the next verses in Hosea talk about destruction. Destruction is coming your way. Amos has the same message. Warning the people of God that if they do not return to a faithful relationship, the consequences of breaking this covenant, this sacred promise, will be severe. God speaks to his covenant people. And because he is just, because he is true, God acts according to his word. He doesn't speak to his people and then not act according to what he has spoken. 
He does not give his word to his covenant people and then act contrary to what his word tells his covenant people. God acts according to his word. And essentially what happens in verse 4 through 6, you, can, you could even kind of conclude, include verse 3 in this. There's a list of metaphors, like the two walking together, that are meant to, to be like a bridge to verses 7 and 8. So verses 7 and 8 are where we're going to land in just a moment. But the bridge to get us there are these metaphors that the lament is in verses 1 and 2. The, the, the heart of the message is in verses 7 and 8. But in these metaphors, now moving from the, the picture of a husband and wife in verse 3, God moves to some very strong language. First, that of animals and their prey, verses 4 and 5. Does a lion roar in the thicket when it has no prey? Does it growl in its den when it has caught nothing? Does a bird swoop down to, to a trap on the ground when, when no bait is in there? In other words, when, when the animal who is the predator has the ability to be the predator, is seeking prey, does the, do the warnings mean nothing when they're heard? Then he moves in the second part of verse 5 to humans hunting prey does does a trap spring up from the ground if it has not caught anything do you do you not see that i'm warning you you're about to step into a trap and has it been laid out in front of you with no consequences to follow and then the metaphors turn to what i believe is is literal because just a few years after Amos prophesies and Hosea prophesies the empire of Assyria is going to crash into the northern kingdom they're going to slaughter many they're going to exile others and they are basically going to infiltrate this place that was supposed to be part of the promised land and force the people to do what they don't want to do to go where they don't want to go and to intermarry with them in ways that are going to completely change the landscape in Israel. Amos is warning them about what eventually happens. A, a trumpet, the, the actual word here will sound familiar, a shofar. A shofar, a trumpet, sounds in a city. When that ram's horn sounds, do the people not tremble? And when disaster comes to a city, like when an invading army is coming, has not the Lord caused it or has not the Lord allowed it? In each of these metaphors, here's the case that God is making. Listen to the consistency. I've given you my word to reveal myself and to prepare for you that your sin has consequences. Think about the language. Animals and prey, traps, destruction. I've given you my word to prepare you as I reveal myself to you that your sin has consequences and because you did not listen to my warnings, because you are not taking them seriously, therefore I must act and you must face the consequences of your actions. It's as if Amos is saying, how long, how much longer will you, as my covenant people, keep living as if my word is void? And there's no consequences to the way you act. There's no consequences to your attitudes, to the ways that you live. 
in the same way we could say to each other as God's covenant people today how long will we act will we live as if God's word is void and as if our attitudes and our actions have no consequences Amos is saying God acts according to his word he's always speaking he acts according to his word judgment is imminent but then there's still there's still a whiff of good news on the horizon if only the people will have ears to hear judgment is imminent but god has not wavered in this final thing he always reveals his purposes and plans to his covenant people this judgment is not going to be sprung on them by surprise They've been warned. They've been told. They've been prepared. Amos is not the only guy out here proclaiming this. We've already talked about that. Time and again, God has been trying to get their attention, to show them through his word, to show them through the spoken word of his prophets. I have a purpose. I have a plan. We're in this covenant, this sacred relationship together. And if we will simply just keep walking together, if you'll keep walking with me, there's destruction coming elsewhere, but, but we will be good. We will survive. We will endure together because our covenant relationship is strong. God reveals his purposes and his plans, but will the people repent? Verse 7, surely the Lord, the sovereign Lord, does nothing without revealing his plan to his servants and his prophets. That term, sovereign Lord, that's how the NIV translates it. Depending on what translation you have, you might have the Lord, Lord, the Lord God. Actually, the, the Hebrew is just two of God's names. So it's a very strong way to say the one true God, the God of, of the Hebrews, the, the God of Scripture, the only true God who has the power, the control, the sovereignty over everything that exists. Surely that one true God does nothing without revealing his plans to his servants, the prophets. Before God acts, he reveals himself to his people through his word through his presence in their lives and how has he done this for us as his covenant people today well i've already said it he's given us the holy spirit he's given us his word and he's given us each other as the church in this age to live in community with each other so that we might be his people in this seriously messed up world that we might be his faithful covenant people walking with him together we have been so blessed because god has revealed himself and continues to reveal himself and his purposes and his ways to us as his people even in the cloudiness of all the confusion around us but unfortunately in many ways we as the church are just a product of our culture in this moment we are spending dare i say we are wasting so much of our time and our energy and our resources on fruitless things we as people as god's people we're doing that there's a memorable line in the book the song of the bird which was written by 
Christian author Anthony DeMello from India. He said, what, what on earth are you doing, said I to the monkey, when I saw him lift a fish out of the water and place it on a branch of a tree? I'm saving the fish from drowning, replied the monkey to me. So foolish. What a waste. What confusion. We are living in these kinds of times when so many things are upside down. So many things are backwards. Up is down, down is up. One plus one does not equal two. We're always right, they're always wrong. These are the times in which we live. But this is also a moment for God's people, the church, today to be faithful in our covenant relationship to Him in a fresh way. That that faithfulness, that walking together with Him can truly be the light in all of this darkness that it's meant to be. That, that more than ever we would, would know who he is and we would be faithful to be who he has called us to be that we would remember surely the sovereign lord does nothing without revealing his plan to his servants the prophets and that we would also remember that actions have consequences still the lion has roared this this brings us back to the very beginning of amos the lion has roared who will not fear the sovereign Lord, there's that phrase again, the sovereign Lord has spoken. Who can but prophesy? What is there left when the lion roars but truth and truth alone? There's a great old story of the Jewish rabbis right around the, the time of, of the Apostle Paul. During the, the heart of the Roman Empire, the rabbis told this fable about one of Rome's Caesars, the Caesar of Rome, who asked a well-known rabbi about this verse in Amos. The Caesar said to the rabbi, Your God is likened to a lion, for it is written by your prophet Amos, The lion has roared, who will not fear? But Caesar said to the rabbi, But can a, can a lion not easily be defeated by a Roman horseman? The rabbi responded, The Lord God is no normal lion. He is the highest of all the lions. Caesar answered, well, you must show me this lion. The rabbi said, I cannot, for our lion is so great you will not be able to look upon him. But Caesar replied, I insist you show this lion to me. So the rabbi prayed, and the lion of the Lord God came close to the city. When he drew close, he roared, and the walls of Rome collapsed. He drew closer still and roared again, and the teeth of all of the soldiers fell out. And then he roared a final time, and Caesar himself fell from the throne to the ground. And Caesar said to the rabbi, I beg of you, plead with your lion to go back where he came from. This, this story is meant to illustrate the depth of, of the fear of the Lord that should exist when the lion roars when he roars out his truth, when he warns of his judgment, that, that empires fall at the sound of the voice of God. And yet Amos was prophesying to a people who no longer lived in fear of God. 
and we understand that we understand living in such times do we not when people no longer live in fear of the lion who roars and sometimes even in the covenant community like the covenant community of amos we live the same way the rest of this chapter i'll let you read it on your own as as part of our reading plan which i hope you're following god proclaims the judgment explicitly that their altars of their idols are coming down that the wealthy will lose both their winter house and their summer house that's what amos says their mansions will be demolished their ivory towers will come down the judgment of the lord will come upon them and no one will be able to stand when the lion roars israel's punishments will be god's doing because of his covenant responsibility because of his justice his truth his righteousness and the failure of his people to live and to walk according to his ways god is always speaking but are his people listening today do we as god's covenant people have ears to hear the word that god says to us not to everybody else out there that we think is the problem do we have ears to hear what god says to us because we are god's covenant people today we live in times where many people do not live in reverent fear of god's word and god's power but let us not be confused let us conclude today on the most hopeful note possible are you ready jesus christ has been exalted to the highest place whether in this life or in the life to come or when christ returns at the name of jesus every knee will bow every tongue will confess on the earth under the earth above the earth every tongue will confess that jesus christ is lord to the glory of god the father these symbols today are symbols of his death but most importantly they are symbols of victory we march with the lion we are a part of his family through christ's death sin has been defeated forever through christ's resurrection death has been defeated forever these two symbols are the symbols of our covenant the first covenants were symbolized by those other things we talked about our covenant is symbolized by christ's blood and what he has done for us he came to the earth to reveal the kingdom of god to us to present truth so clearly that we might see and turn away from our sin to his righteousness today we live in the victory of jesus christ but will we be willing to hear the roaring lion to turn away from our sin to confess it to repent and listen to block out the noise that we're allowing to con constantly drown out the voice of the lord and to follow him to walk with him together in our sacred covenant relationship lord i pray today that as we have a time of invitation and response that as we've finished pointing our hearts back to you as we've had these symbols today to remember 
the depth of your love and your sacrifice. Lord, would you draw us close? Help us to not think about the sins of everyone else and the distractions of everyone else, but, but speak so clearly to our hearts that we would renew our faithfulness in our relationship with you. And Lord, I pray that for us, each and every one of us as individuals, but I also pray that for us as this local body that South Tulsa Baptist would be faithful as a community of believers in walking in that covenant relationship with you and showing those around us, the nations around us, that you are good, that you love, and Lord, that you are calling people in repentance to that relationship with you. Today, Lord, if there's anyone who has not fully surrendered their life and believed upon Jesus Christ for their salvation, would you draw them to you? Lord, would you show them just how much you love them? Let today be the first day of that step that they take in walking with you. In Jesus' name, amen.